Well, hey, we're going to conclude this series uh, that we began at the beginning of June. Uh, We've had some different things in between there, but we started this series out really uh, wanting to put an emphasis and focus on a summer of prayer. And although the summer is not quite over yet, we've uh, successfully uh, had this series run its course. Uh, We're going to hear from Jasmine next week, and then I'm going to share with you today about what's coming in August. the the theme for today is uh, how prayer paves the road to the future. And I don't know uh, if you find yourself in the midst of a season where uh, God is doing something different in your life, uh, but if you are, uh, if you're in that place, uh, then the reality is, is, is prayer is going to be the thing that helps you get to the place that God is taking you. Uh, And that's kind of the theme. I'm going to get into Joshua chapter 3 here in just a moment. But uh, I'm going to share with you the uh, kind of the overarching change, if you will, uh, that our the season of transition that our church is in. Uh, I've talked to quite a few people who have felt, man, it just feels like there's so much changing and there's uh, transition going on, and, uh, and, and you're not wrong. There is change. There is transition. And for some people, they're fine with that. They, they like change. They like something new. For other people, uh, they don't like it. They don't like change. And so I, uh, before we get into Joshua, I, I want to start by giving you just a little bit of a history lesson as to how we got to this moment, like how we got to where we are right now uh, as a church, Lifehouse Church, to this day. Uh, and, and I want to, I have my whiteboard, I, I like whiteboards. Um, I like to, um, I, I'm not, I don't have very good penmanship or handwriting skills, as my wife will attest to this. Uh, and my spelling is often very poor. Uh, because I have spell check and I don't need to. Um, but I do some consulting with churches and a lot of it re- requires me to be on a board. And so I, uh, I wanted to bring this in today because I, I really want you to get a picture, not just hear words, but this morning that we would get a picture of where God is taking us into the future. And, and before we get to that, I, I, I want to just share with you about six years ago, seven years ago, uh, we went through a process as a staff. I, I gathered about 12 people that were uh, different ages, different uh, uh, genders, uh, different, um, some staff, some elders, some in the congregation members. And we put this team together. And over the course of a year, we spent time praying and asking God to show us a picture of who we are as a church. Like, why did God uniquely place us into this community of Stone Oak? And what did he place us here to do? And, and what did he place us here for? And, and so we started out in this process of uh, establishing, uh, I should say, who we are. See, I've already messed up. Uh, who we are. And, and really what we determined was that we live, uh, our church is placed into a community uh, that if you drive down Wilderness Oak, you see uh, gated community after gated community after gated community. And, and what you'll find, however, is that within those gated communities is a false sense of security. 
right? Because you know that if you live in a gated community, every pizza boy in this zip code has your gate code. And I don't trust them. They deliver my pizza, right? So I'm just saying, like, people can get into your, or, or, you're one, or unless you're one of those people that, like, when the gate opens and there's somebody behind you that you know doesn't belong there, and you, like, stop in the gate, and you, like, wait for it to close, and then, and then you're like, okay, yeah, you didn't get into our gated community. But at the end of the day, what we determined was that this, there is within, a, uh, within the community of Stono kind of this, this false sense of security, but also this false sense of, of, of health, spiritual health, emotional health, that everybody looks good. Everybody's got a nice car uh, or two and has a nice house and uh, 2.5 kids and a dog and all of the things in it. And everything looks great on the outside, but, but the reality is, is when you get past that gate, you get past the guard that they have up, you, deter, you discover that actually there's a lot of heartache and there's a lot of things going on. And so who we are is a church that connects people to real love and real life. And we put the word real in there twice because we want to really come against this false sense of identity of who we are. That that's the reality of what God wants to do is he wants there to be authenticity and transparency in who we are as a church. Uh, the second part of this is uh, our values. Why do we do this? Uh, our values have kind of shifted over the years, but one of our values is generosity. Uh, one of our values is restoration. We're about the restoration of people and organizations. We are about joy. How many of you uh, enjoy the fact that when we come here on a Sunday morning, we laugh a little bit, right? I mean, I, I try to make you laugh. I'm not always funny, but uh, every now and then, we, we like to enjoy this life that we're a part of. And then uh, the, third, or the fourth value is uh, releasing, we want to be a church that releases people into the things that God's called them to do. Now, why the question, and this is a dangerous question, but this is an interactive. I want to get some responses from you. Why do you think that people go to a specific church, a particular church? What, what would be the reasons that people go to church? Okay, it meets their needs. All right, so maybe the church has programs that meet their needs. What else? They've always gone to that church. Okay, good. What else? Yes. Okay, to hear the word of God. Good. That's the hope is that that's, that's the premise behind that. Yeah, what else? Okay, it's an extension of your home, which is what this is. Okay, good. Fellowship. So people. Yeah, how, how many of you would agree that, you know what, I go to church because somebody invited me to go to church, I have friends that go to that church, and so we go to church because of the people, right? Good. What else? What? Same belief, okay, so doctrine, theology, good. I'm looking for two more Ps here, yes? I like worship, okay, so... Uh, let's, let's go ahead and go with that one, and we'll say the personality of the church. Sometimes that's the worship team. Sometimes that's 
me. That's seriously, some people, uh, because, uh, because Pastor Jeremy has now moved to, to Portland, Oregon, there would be some who are like, I was attached to Pastor Jeremy and Jeremy's no longer here and it feels like lost to me and I don't even know if this is my church. If I were to leave, uh, where would you get your sarcasm on a daily, on a Sunday, weekly morning, right? So, so sometimes people come because of the personality. There's, there's one more, uh, one more P that's a part of this. Uh, proximity, the place, very good. It's the place. How many of you drove by our church not realizing it was a church and then only to discover that it's a church and you've been waiting in line to get into CBC all this time and you're like, you know what, I could be at church already and I could get out of church already and so we're like, I think I found my new church, <laughs> right? Because of the proximities. Some people live across the street. You, The Castanons live across the street. They're like, why would I go somewhere else when I could just walk to church? Proximity is a a big issue. So, the place. Now, what do all four of these have in common? Nobody's ever accused us of being a dumb church. Besides the fact that they start with P, what do these have in common? At any moment, at any moment, any one of these four things can change. So if you come to our church because you live across the street and all of a sudden you decide to sell your house because some sellout pastor sold a piece of property to to multifamily, And so you decide to move away from this place, and now all of a sudden you're going past other churches to get to this church. All of a sudden, if this is your priority, your church changes. If the people in your life who are coming to this church decide, you know what, we have to move to Waco, Texas, as the Kims just did, or as the I-Course are about to do, to move to Houston, when our friends have to move away, and that's the reason we're here, all of a sudden we are like, I don't even know if this is my church anymore. If the programs change, which they do often, the tools in which we use to develop the spiritual formation of, uh, of the people of this church, when those change, it's like, man, I came here because of that program. Or when a worship leader decides to take a job in Portland and he leaves, or if I, my wife doesn't like this analogy, but if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, which I'm not, I'm not going to get hit by a bus tomorrow because when I die, I'm going down in a plane, but... But if, if that happens and the personality of the church changes, all of a sudden it feels like my church is, is not my church anymore. I'm saying all of this to say that if these are the reasons, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. This is God's provision. This is, this is a beautiful part of why we come to church. But if this is the only reason we come to church, then when they change, chances are we're going to go find another church. It's called the lower room vision. And what we want as a church is we want to get to a place of an upper room vision. 
where it doesn't matter if any one of these changes, your church is because this is who God has, this is the place that God has called you to be about, that the vision is not just the pastor's vision, but it's your vision. And you're a part of accomplishing what God wants to do in the kingdom of God here. So how do we get to that place? There was a great Irish potato famine that started in 1845. I've used this illustration before, but six years ago when we went through this process, we had a different strategy, the how of which we were going to accomplish this. But what we discovered pretty quickly was that um, in this, well, in the great potato Irish, great Irish potato famine, the, the story goes that uh, there was a fungus that got into the potatoes, which was their uh, primary source of food. And when they no longer had food to eat, uh, the, the men of Ireland stopped going into the pubs and singing. How many of you know that uh, Irishmen are known for their pub songs, right? They go into the pub you know, they come up with some really funny, fun songs. Uh, I'm not gonna, I mean, obviously we know why. Uh, you know, they've been drinking a little bit. And, and so they come up with these songs. And, uh, but but it's, it's part of their culture to sing. Well, during the Great, potato, Great Irish Potato Famine, the men stopped singing. And so uh, time went on. The government, they were controlled by Britain at the time and, or England by the time, at the time. And uh, they decided, you know what, we've got to put these men to work. We've got to get them jobs. And so they put the men to work building roads. So the men start out, they start building these roads, and only to discover that now all the men, after they have worked a day, they go back into the pubs and they're singing again. They start singing. Now, the problem was is there was no plan for the roads in which they built. And instead, they discovered that, the men discovered that they started building roads to nowhere. In fact, we have a picture of one of those roads, I think. They started building these roads, just kidding. Uh, we started building these, there it is, these roads to nowhere. And you can actually go today into Ireland, they, they've kept this road up, but you can go and you can see this road and it's going up a, a hill, up a mountain, and all of a sudden it just dead ends. When the men realized that, they stopped going back into the pubs and singing again because they were depressed about the fact that they were doing some job that was futile. We went through this process, and as a church, we started singing again. We started realizing we know who we are now. We have some identity, and, and so we started singing again. Where There was an excitement. There was dream team parties, and there was... People getting involved, we had percentage-wise at the time, almost 60 to 70% of our people were involved in a dream team, volunteering in some capacity. And we went to two services because the church was growing and, and everybody was singing. And about a year and a half ago, I realized that we were building a road to nowhere. We didn't know where we were going. We didn't know the vision and the plan that God had for us. And so I think about a year and a half ago, we stopped singing again. And it was in October of 2018 that we started getting on our knees and praying about what God had for us in the future. I want us to take a look at Joshua chapter 3. 
verse 3 through 5. This is the Israelites coming out of wandering in the wilderness, and, and it says, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, I want you to consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I love this picture of, of the Lord giving instruction to the people of Israel that, that they need to keep their eyes focused on the presence of God. That is the Ark of the Covenant, that that was the, uh, the earthly presence of God for them. And he's saying to them, I want you to stay focused on the presence of God because I want to lead you into the promised land. I want to lead you into a place that you've never been before. And I believe that for us as a church, God is leading us into a place that we've never been before. And honestly, I'm pretty excited about it, and I'm kind of starting to sing. You don't want to hear me sing, but, but I'm starting to sing again. I don't, uh, I'm, a, I'm a creature of habit. There's a few restaurants here in, in the Stone Oak area uh, that know me. Uh, if I go to El Dacos, or if I go to Thai Chili, if I go to Copa, they know what I'm going to order, right? They don't even ask me. I don't even have to get out the menu. The menu is just sin. It's choices that lead you to be distracted, <laughs> right? Some people look at the menu and they're like, look at all the options. It's an adventure. It's a journey. I could try this. I could try that. And I'm like, why? I already know what's good on the menu. It's what I'm going to get. It's what I always get when I go to that place. Now, that might be okay in my restaurant ordering life, but when it comes to our spiritual life, it's probably not a healthy attitude. Because oftentimes what will happen is in our spiritual life, we will get to a place to where God has done something in our life and we want to remain in that place. We, we, we want, as we saying today, God, do it again right here the same way that you've always done it, do it. The problem is, is if God is taking us to some place we've never been, if, if we're here spiritually and God wants to take us over here, then guess what? We can't, we can't stay here and be there. We have to be willing to allow God to change us, to transform us, to take us to a place. And the only way in which we can do that is if we're in the presence of God. The only other way that we can do that is if we're in prayer. So where is God taking us if we're now ordering off the menu? If God's doing something different, if I don't get my pad CU with Thai, thai basil, then, then what is it? Like what, what is it that God is leading us towards? And, and that's what I want to talk about because it does feel, uh, I think, and maybe for some of us that are, you know what, I forgot that I can actually... Just flip this sucker. Oh. I wanna I wanna run through a little bit of the strategy of, of what started in October of of our staff getting together and praying. 
uh, Kelly and I spending some time praying and asking the Lord what it is that we're headed towards. We really came up with two, two words. Well, I mean, two, two two-letter words. <laughs> Spiritual formation and leadership multiplication. We knew that as a church, God was saying, these are going to be the focus moving forward. Can't talk and write at the same time. Spiritual formation, leadership multiplication. I've shared a little bit, and and the reason why we're having this time halfway into the year is because we've switched. We no longer have life track. We now have what's called connection, which is our membership class. It's also an introduction into the life of our church. The things that I'm talking about, we talk about in our connection class. But most of you have been through life track. Most, many of you are members, and so you don't really have a need to go to connection. And so you're getting it on a Sunday morning. Spiritual formation, leadership multiplication that is really carried out in, uh, in, some, in a myriad of ways, in a, in a lot of different ways. So if Lifehouse Church is here and we have within it all of the different ministries that we're a part of, right? We have uh, our Sunday morning services. We have Lifehouse Kids. We've got Next Gen. We've got Life Groups. We've got all of these things that we're a part of that are just ministries of the church. These are great things. These are important things. This is why we gather together on Sunday morning. But if all we ever do are these things right here, we don't believe that you will have the spiritual formation, the spiritual growth that's necessary uh, to go from here to there in your life, that you will at some point get stuck in the place in which you are. And so there has to be a discipleship process. There, there has to be within it this ability to, to have people discipled in a way that we've never done before. And we're really calling these competencies. And we're focused on three in particular that we believe will bring people to a place of wholeness in their life. That if... of your life is spent outside of the church. What are we doing as a church to prepare you for that 90%? And we believe that it's in these competencies that will help you in your 90%. In your spiritual competency, we are introducing, and you're going to hear a lot about this next month, we're introducing rooted groups. Rooted groups are... Groups like life groups, like a small group environment where you are beginning to reevaluate what you believe and why you believe it. It's, it's a foundational faith, but it's more than that. Anybody who's been a Christian for forever, since they were you know kids, uh, to somebody who's just brand new will get something out of Rooted. This is a tool. This isn't the end all. Because again, remember, if programs change, if that's the only reason you're coming to church, then you might find another church. So these are tools, and any of the tools may change, but the overarching vision does not. 
the other side of our spiritual competency is prayer. Yesterday, we uh, gathered together. There was probably, I don't know, there's probably 30 or 40 of us, 30, maybe 30 of us, that got together to pray over our kids. And prayer moving forward is going to uh, take more of a front seat than maybe ever before because we believe that prayer paves the path to the future. So prayer rooted, our emotional competency is really coming from a tool that we call unique. Many of you have been through the unique accelerator. We had 40 people go through it back in May. They're completing their 90-day evaluation. And then what's going to happen after that is after the 90 days, we're going to train some coaches. We'll have three coaches who will begin taking groups of people together through unique. Unique is a Uh, personal life identity development plan. It's how did God wire you? What did he wire you for? And why do you exist on this earth? And it's taking people through that process. It's helping them understand who they are. And then we have our cultural competency. uh, And that is our partnership ministries and missions. That if we could walk people through here, because here's the thing is Jesus had his disciples for three years. I'm not Jesus, as most of you will attest to, but, but that's kind of the mindset that we have is that if we get people for three years, if God would trust us with people for three years, what are we gonna do in those three years? Where are we gonna lead them? Where are we gonna take them? Because if they get called to Houston or Waco, if they get called away, will we have been good stewards as a church with the people that God's entrusted us with? The kind of the definition that we have in the connection class for uh, emotional uh, competency is walking in the confidence of who God made you to be and what he has made you for. The cultural competency is the ability to relate and bring the message of Jesus effectively to people from different nationalities, ethnicities, and age groups. And then the spiritual competency is moving from just believing in God to integrating the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the actions of Jesus in our everyday life. It means to live this life on mission. And so these are, these are the things, these are the tools in which we feel are uh, right now the most effective tools to take you as a member, as a part of this church, as a part of Lifehouse Church, to a place of wholeness. Now, from this, there's a discipleship component where we don't want to just leave you where you are, that there should be a leadership multiplication process Whoops, I do stick figures. That there should be a leadership multiplication process where people are, le- are being responsible to lead other people. We wanna make disciple-making disciples. We don't want a staff who is just the only ones discipling people. We wanna disciple you so that you can disciple others so that they can disciple others. And in this process, there's, an area, there's areas of which we want to focus on in your discipleship process that we're working on right now, and it has to do with three areas, your uh, spirit, soul, 
and body. Spirit is uh, prayer, the word, and worship. Soul is addressing your mind, your will, and your emotions. And body is, you guys are going to laugh at this, fitness, nutrition, nutrition. There's one other that I don't know what it is. It's on my list. So the reason why this is important is because oftentimes when we think of the church, we think about we're going to, we're going to fill this tank, this spirit tank of our life. And what will happen is we fill this up and some of these things get neglected and depleted. But we believe that all three of these things, if we're made in the image of God, we are triune beings. That, uh, that when our body is sick, it affects our mind. When our body is sick, it affects our spirit. And so if, if we aren't healthy here, then these two things suffer. If we're not healthy here, honestly, uh, this suffers and this can suffer. It's not always the case. I know plenty of people who are super healthy but have no faith at all, right? So I'm not saying it always works this way, but but, or excuse me, I'm not saying it always works, let's see, this way, where if this is high, yeah, this doesn't necessarily have to be low. I'm going to do a message on this and make it a little bit more clear, but the point of all of this is rather than being so focused in one aspect of our life, what would it look like if we were just healthy Across the board. See, what happens here is when people get so focused on this, they become religious. Sometimes when people get so focused on this, they become, uh, they become narcissistic. When people become so focused on this, they become Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> they... There has to be a balance in the discipleship process. And if there's not, what you'll find is unhealth in that. All of this in raising up leaders is really to be sent out. To be sent out into mission and to be sent out into partnership. My board's getting messy. Mission is Columbia. I've shared this already, but uh, we are in the process of applying for a grant uh, in conjunction with Medical Ministry International to get a grant to, uh, to reach 10 unreached, unengaged people groups. We as a church have the opportunity to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ who have never heard it in their life. That, like there's very few of those people even left on this earth and we have the opportunity to be a part of that. And so we have Columbia. We have uh, our, under Columbia, we have Compassion. Many of you sponsor kids. We have, uh, we sponsored at our last Compassion Sunday 
12, uh, 12 more kids, was it 12? 12 more kids uh, out of this church. We have MMI as a part of this. Some of you have your own ministries uh, that are national ministries. We have people who are going to Africa. We have people who are involved in other areas. But our goal is in the discipleship process, in creating wholeness in your life, is to send you out. In some cases, to send you out for good. Not because we don't like you, but because God's calling you to something else. We have been having a conversation with Jasmine. I'm like, she fell in love with Columbia and missions is on her mind. And I'm like, well, maybe you're supposed to be a missionary. And so what can we do as a church to help accomplish that in her life? Maybe it's in the partnership. And under partnerships, we still have SA Heals. We have our foster care program, which is called, we just changed the name of it, LIFT. There's an acronym, but I don't know what it is off my head. I should have been prepared. LIFT. There is uh, uh, LAVISH, which you just heard about. There is our foster church ministry. There is uh, Children's Hunger Fund. These are ministries that we already had relationship with because of people within our church. And some of you are called to be more engaged and more involved with some of those. And we want to do whatever we can to train and equip you to be a part of that. In some cases, it's just to come alongside and serve temporarily. But whatever the case, we want to do whatever we can to disciple you, to equip you, to be a person that is living their life on mission. For some, it's business as mission. The beginning of the year, uh, well, really uh, back in March, I believe, uh, we had, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on names this morning. My head's got too much information in it. Somebody help me. Mike, we had, thank you, we had Mike Sharo here, uh, who his whole ministry is about how can you be on mission in your workplace? If you work at Rackspace, you're a missionary to Rackspace. If you work at USAA, you're a missionary to USAA, that God has called you. And for some people, they may never go to Columbia, they may never be involved with any of these but they may be so focused on this that they're seeing people, they're seeing coworkers, bosses, uh, employees coming into a relationship with God because they're living on mission in their workplace. I, we have doctors in our church who get to pray over their patients. That's a huge thing. Now, there'll be some people who come out of the leadership multiplication pipeline and now they're leading rooted groups. They're leading prayer groups. They're, they're coaching in unique. And they're, they're a part of some of this. But they're, they're really leading other people and discipling other people. They may never go to Columbia. They may never be a part of partnership ministries. Honestly, business is mission. They may not be in a place in their place of business to be able to be on mission. And so for some people, we will need people to lead this if we're going to make room for more people. Because that's the other part of this equation. I believe that when you know that you're building roads to somewhere, that God will trust you with more. 
This isn't an effort to, to become a megachurch. To be honest with you, I don't want to be a megachurch. There's nothing wrong with megachurches, but that's not, that's not who we are. If you want to go to a megachurch, there's one or two in the town that you might be able to find. You know, like There's a lot, and, and those are great, and they serve an amazing purpose. Some of you are Christians because you got saved in a megachurch. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that there is going to be growth in the life of our church. Uh, we just had uh, somebody come and an architect come and help us kind of master plan what we're going to do with the rest of the property that we have. And he said, well, what about a new worship center? And, uh, and I said, well, currently our biggest issue is kids because we are packed at kids. If you have a preteen, you know your kid is meeting in a conference room. That's how tapped we are uh, with kids' space right now. So that's our priority. But if we were to ever build a worship center, I would never build anything that could fit more than 750 people. Probably nothing that could fit over 500 people. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if we had two services of 750 people, that's 1,500 people. If we ever get bigger than that, then we're a mega church, and that's not who God's called us to be. It's not what he put on our heart back in October. The honest truth is, is that if we get over 1,500 people, we're not doing something right because we are not sending people out. The other part of this is potential church plant where we're actually sending some of you who are driving all the way over from SeaWorld and passing 100 good churches on the way to our church because you love the sarcasm on Sunday morning, but the honest truth is we could put a church over in that area and there would be many of you who would be able to be a part of a faith community in that, in that area or wherever that may be. And, and the goal for us is to see how can we begin as a church to be about the spiritual formation of the people of our church and leadership multiplication. The honest truth is we've done a poor job in discipleship. And no one is to blame for that except for me. We, we got so focused on our identity of who we are on this side of the board that we neglected actually building some roads to a place. And that's going to change. And with that change comes transition and unsettledness and, and, and now people are having to step up into more roles and, and, and now people are being raised up as leaders and, and leading other things that maybe they've never done before. But I believe that God is taking you and he's taking us as a church to places that we've never been before. I've been getting a lot of questions about whether or not uh, James, who was leading worship this morning, whether James is Jeremy's replacement. Uh, the truth is, is no. The answer to that is no. James is not Jeremy's replacement. Uh, we started a conversation with James uh, and his wife, Lauren, uh, before we knew uh, that Jeremy was going to be leaving. We found out that Jeremy was leaving in, uh, we found out in May, we knew there was conversations in April, but we had already started conversations about James coming here, uh, and we didn't know in what capacity. Uh, he's been a senior pastor of a, of a church up in Fort Worth. Uh, that church closed. 
uh, the district. I'm a part of our district council that church closed. And, uh, and we felt like James, from a leadership capability, from a, from a pastoral capability, had a lot to offer. Now, you will see James leading worship, as you will see my wife leading worship. You will see, hopefully, if he gets his, his daughter married, Brian Cesaric leading worship. You, you will see Rachel leading worship. You will see people leading worship. We are not, we are not just backfilling the worship role of Jeremy. And, and there, there may be some people who disagree with that, whatever, and, and you're just going to have to trust us in that. We have a lot of amazing musicians and worship leaders. In fact, uh, being in the district, I have uh, the opportunity to be in a lot of our churches and to see a lot of what, uh, to, to recognize and appreciate a lot of what we have that others don't. And so we believe that we can lead in this capacity, spiritual formation and leadership multiplication, in the capacity of doing worship as a team. What we have done is we have hired Jeremy's replacement. And, uh, but I can't tell you what their names are yet, publicly, because they have not told their church yet. And they are, they've been senior pastors now for 18 years and have been a part of that church for 22 years. Uh, they are seasoned leaders. Uh, his uh, wife is uh, now cancer-free. She went through a bout of breast cancer and is now cancer-free and on a 15-year health plan for her life. But these people are amazing people. Uh, the, the, the man, I almost said his name, uh, is, uh, has a gift mix that is different than mine. Uh, and so we, are, we staff our weaknesses around here. And so he will bring something to the table that, uh, that I don't. Uh, and that's what we want. He, he will bring something that might be missing from when Jeremy left. He will oversee missions. He will oversee our partnership ministries. He will oversee pastoral care. He will, oversee, he will speak on Sunday mornings. He will not lead worship because I've heard him sing. So... <laughs> That won't happen. His wife, however, has been uh, leading worship at their church for a lot of years, and so she may end up leading worship at times. We'll see. I'm, I'm giving you all of this information because I, I recognize there's maybe an unsettledness in the midst of transition, and it's not lost on us. But I do want you to know that we are building roads to somewhere. We do know that we're, where we're headed, and we believe that this isn't just something uh, that, we, that I had bad pizza the night before and woke up with. This is something that has been bathed in prayer over the last six months. That we know really now the last eight months that God is, has been orchestrating this. Here's what I don't know. I had somebody before service say, well, why do you think Jeremy left and chose that over this? I don't know. I don't know. I do know that God is doing something new. He is taking us to someplace new. I don't know if Jeremy could have been a part of that or not. I think he probably could have been. But maybe God is orchestrating and shifting the pieces and putting us into a place where he wants to lead us into the future. The honest truth is I don't know the ways of God all the time. But I believe that where we're headed is the direction that God has for us. The last thing I'll, I'll touch on 
because I, I don't want to lose sight of our partnership ministries is, uh, is the foster church program. I alluded to it last week. We believe that God has called us to not just be a place that builds this church, but does kingdom work outside of any benefit to us as a church. And some of that is going to be me going and working with pastors uh, through their transition. Some of it will be uh, some of our worship leaders going and working with the worship teams there, our council members going and sitting down with the church council and saying, this is how you take care of your family and your finances and, and all those things. And so like, there's just going to be multiple opportunities for us as a church to be a part of this. And you are already a part of it, whether you know it or not, through your giving. That, that as a part of who we are as a church, we are doing this not out of some financial gain, but actually in the kingdom of God, when you give and you, and you are generous towards others, we believe that God is generous towards us. And so we're, that's our focus is we're going to give people. We, are, we, we want to raise up leaders in this who we church plant with, but we are going to be transitioning five churches in the next year and a half in our district, and they don't have senior pastors ready. Where are they going to come from? Jasmine, you're up. <laughs> you're, you're leading the church in Oklahoma City. You know, like we have people in our church God, for whatever reason, has blessed us with amazing leaders in our church, people who are called to ministry, and we believe that God wants us to send them out and not hold them to ourselves. God wants to do some new things. If we're gonna get to there, we can't stay here. And if we're gonna get to there, it's gonna require some change. It's gonna require some flexibility. It's gonna require you to maybe order something off the menu that you didn't know you ever liked but you're gonna find out that you actually like some things that you'd never had before. Let's pray.